provides our faith. And Father, we thank you that uh, you have granted unto us a measure of faith. And then you gave us a path, Father, and an ability to increase our faith. Uh, and so, Father, faith is not hidden from us. It's not withheld from us, Father. We have the right and the privilege to obtain as much faith as we choose and desire and pursue, Father. And so, Lord, we thank you for that. And we'll give you the praise and the honor for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, we, we thank the Lord for, uh, for faith. And, you know, some, sometimes folks have, have a difficult time with faith. Uh, you know, they say, well, I wish I had faith. I wish I had as, faith, as much faith as you. I've, I've had people tell me that, you know, I wish I had as much faith as you had. And, um, and, of course, you know, you don't want to be harsh to people. But really, faith is not a difficult thing, right? Faith is not hard to understand. Faith is, do you believe that the Lord tells the truth? Uh, and that's really all it is. It's not, it's not really hard. It's not really something that you have to kind of, well, I've got to really work on it. I've got to really, you know, it's really something that's hard to obtain. It's something that I have to really struggle to get in my life, to increase in my life. And it's really not that at all. You know, people make it harder than it should be. You know, really, uh, as you read the Word of God, uh, you read the Word of God, and, you know, of course, healing is always a good example to use with faith. And when the Lord said in, in Exodus fifteen twenty six that I am the Lord that healeth thee. So uh, is that a true statement? Well, we, we mentally we know that it's true, right? I mean, we, because we're Christians, we say, well, God can't lie, so that has to be technically true. But uh, do you believe in your heart that God really told the truth in that? Uh, and that's, that's really the difference between uh, uh, E.W. Kenyon called it heart faith versus head faith. And Brother Hagen ex, uh, expounded on that further along in his ministry, but I think E.W. Kenyon was really the... Uh, the first one to kind of uh, uh, bring that light and that understanding of the struggle that people have with faith all the time is because people read the Word of God and they'll mentally say, well, yeah, that's true. But they don't, they really, they don't, really, they don't really believe that to be true. And, and so the difference is when you know that it's true that the Lord is your healer, then there's no circumstances that will override that. So if you're, if you're not well, you know, if it's just head faith, then, then when, when that head faith comes in conflict with natural circumstances, the natural circumstances will, will dictate and tell you, well, then it's not so. And you go, wow, I wish I had faith. See, that's just head faith, right? You, you, you acknowledge mentally that it's so, but when circumstances come in contact with that, with that knowledge that the Lord is not a liar, then that knowledge doesn't have the power to override those circumstances. Uh, and so oftentimes then what will happen is the circumstances will then rule your life. So if it's sickness, then you can't overcome sickness, even though mentally, you know, that God's a healer, but you don't really believe that God tells the truth. You know, you acknowledge it mentally, but in your heart, you don't really it, it's not solid, you know. And, and so what happens if you are in faith and you believe that God's your healer and then a symptom comes well, then your heart goes, it doesn't matter. I'm healed. And, and there's almost, you know, it's not an anger, but there's a, there's a righteous indignation that rises up. Go, how dare you? How dare you attack my body? How dare you cross the line of the covenant that I have with the Lord? And, it, and, and you'll get, uh, just get right with it sometimes, you know. And what will happen is if you, if you really stay in faith that I choose to believe within my heart that God is not a liar, that God does exactly what he says he'll do, then, uh, then you're immovable. And you never, you will never say, it just, the thought never crosses my mind. You know, I just, I wish I could get faith like you. That never crosses my mind because if you've got faith in, then, uh, in an area, then, then I'll look at that and go, well, then if you've got it, then I can get it. 
And I'll go back to the same verses that you used to get it, because if you've got it, you had to get it from the verses in the Bible. I'll go back to the same verses, and I'll read them and go, yeah, that's so. Yeah, that's so. And when the circumstances come that are in conflict with that, it doesn't matter. I'm still the healed, the victorious, the prosperous, whatever it is that's a, trying to come into my life, I'm still that. Regardless of the circumstances, the circumstances have no impact on what I choose to believe. Now, and, and so many people in church struggle with that, and, and, it's, and, and it's a shame because it shouldn't be a struggle. It, it is not a struggle, but people will make it a struggle. And their confession is what destroys them. It's not their lack of faith. It's their confession. I wish I had as much faith as you. I, I can't have as much faith as you. I don't have as much faith as you. That's, that's really, a, you're destroying your own faith. You're destroying your ability to believe and to accept and to receive the blessings that the Lord has. Uh, and so oftentimes the, the church will do that because faith is not hard. Faith is really, really easy. Uh, you know, if... Uh, you just take away faith for a minute. And you just talk about people that you know that are that are high character. You know, if someone came up to me and said, you know, I've, I've known John Jones for, for, you know, a decade now. And if someone came up to me, well, John Jones said this. I mean, I'd go to the grave. There's no way John Jones would have said that. Oh, yeah, he said it. There's no way. He did it. There's no way. Uh, and, and, in fact, you know, somebody did that one time. To me, they, they were calling, they called me up and, and they were, you know, sometimes... You know, people love to waste other people's time, right? And this person was just wasting my time and just asking me dumb questions like, do I believe in a New Testament-only church, you know? And, you know, and he, and he wasn't a, a member of the Jewish race, but he wanted to act like a Jew, right? Like, oh, I'm a, you know, Old Testament is, is more important than New Testament. Well, literally, the Bible says that's not true, right? The Bible says that, he, that the, he's given us a, a better covenant based upon better promises. And he goes, that's not what it means. That's exactly and only what it means, that, you know, Hebrews... Uh, I think 8.6, right, says that he's given us a better uh, covenant based upon better promises. So that means that the New Testament, which is a covenant, is a better covenant than the Old Testament. Why? Because it's based upon better promises, right? You won't die if you commit a sin. Old Testament, you die if you commit a sin. New Testament, you can be forgiven and you go on. Amen. Are, is it okay to commit a sin? Is it, we're giving the license. I'm not giving anybody license to sin, but that's just the New Covenant, right? Sins are washed away by the blood of Jesus. Old Testament, sins were covered or atoned for by the blood of bulls and goats. New Testament, washed away. Old Testament, uh, just covered. Well, washed away is better than covered, right? You ever, you ever just try to, uh, you buy something, somebody painted over the rest with, with uh, paint, the rest is still there, right? It's just covered over. Uh, whereas if they replace the, the, the piece of metal that had rust, being replaced with rust is better than painting over the rust, amen? Uh, and so, so he said, uh, uh, he was somehow we got on the subject of Brother Hagen. He said, "Well, I've heard Brother Hagen say lots of anti-Semitic things, things against the Jewish nation and Jewish race." And I said, "Hang on a second. Now, normally I don't even engage with people like that." I said, "Hang on a second. I said I have listened to hundreds of hours of Brother Hagen messages and has seen him in person dozens of times. He has never said anything that would even be slightly misconstrued in any any way, unless you're just so touchy." Where, you know, if you said, well, you know, the Jewish people crucified Jesus. Well, that's anti-Semitic. Well, it's not. It's just it's a fact. It's not, we're not saying that they're, therefore, you should destroy the entire Jewish nation, right? Remember the Crusaders, they went and a lot of them, a lot of times they went down to, the, to Israel uh, and, and killed and murdered uh, Jewish people because how dare you uh, crucify Jesus? <laughs> Which is dumb because Jesus wasn't crucified by the Jews. The Bible literally says, I mean, he was technically, but... Bible says that he was put on, that God the Father nailed him to the cross. 
it was the will of God that Jesus went to the cross. It just so happens that the Jewish nation did that. But if it wasn't them, it would have been somebody else. Somebody had to do it because it was the will of God for it to happen because it was necessary for the plan of redemption. And so, so he said, uh, Brother Hagin said many things. I said, no, there's, there's no way. There's no way. Because I know his heart. He's got nothing against the Jewish image. And when I said that, you know, the guy, oh, well, it was probably his son. I'm not listening to as many hours of his son, uh, Brother Hagin's son, uh, uh, Ken Jr., or Ken W. now. He goes by Ken W. Hagin. Um, but I've never heard him say any, in, in the time that I have heard him, I've never heard him say anything to anybody misconstrued. So he was just looking to start a fight, right? He was looking for a reason to not believe somebody. And so he was just trying to say things, right? Well, see, I had such a, such a, a, a confidence not faith in Brother Hagin, but a confidence in who he was as a minister that he would never say anything like that. Uh, and that's the same confidence we need to have with the Word of God. People say, well, well God, God killed them, right? God, God needed, uh, uh, they died early because God needed them in heaven. No, there's no way. There's no way that God did that. Why? Because I believe the Lord. I know, I know who he is. So when, when something comes in conflict with my faith, my faith is unshaken, right? Remember that, that uh, in Romans chapter 4, the, the Bible said that Abraham staggered not at the promise of God, but was strong in faith. See, so, so when the circumstances came to, to uh, Abraham, you're never having a child. Abraham, that's the dumbest thing I think I've ever heard. The Lord God promised me I would have a child. Now, you know, I went over there with Hagar and tried that for a while. That didn't really work out. But I, I, I wasn't shaken in a promise. I just thought maybe he would do it that way. The promise was never in question. You know, the methods of how the promise was going to be fulfilled was in question, which we all do, right? Well, Lord, how are you going to do that? I can't tell you how many times Chris and I were, have been believing for things, things that were, you know, not a crisis, but just faith, right? Life, life happens, and we need to believe God to get out of a situation or to improve a situation or to overcome a situation. And then we'll say, it'll be interesting to see how God does this. We don't have a lack of faith that he won't do it, it's just interesting to see, well, let's see how he does it, right? And so Abraham got messed up in that and said, well, maybe he's going to do it with Hagar, which was not the case, of course, but uh, here we are. So, you know, faith, faith is not a hard thing. Don't make it out to be an impossible thing, a hard thing that's difficult to obtain. It's the easiest thing in the world. Uh, you know, uh, I had a, a bit of an advantage in some regards. It shouldn't be an advantage, you know, and it's really a shame that, that I call it an advantage, but sometimes it is. I didn't grow up in church, so I counted that as an advantage because many times people grow up in church and they're told all their life, God doesn't heal, God doesn't prosper, God doesn't deliver. And then, uh, and then you have to unlearn that when you finally realize that, that those things aren't true. But, but that hint of that is still there, right? I mean, and sometimes it takes years or decades to overcome that, to, you know, because every single week, God doesn't do that, God doesn't do that. And then you go through funerals and God killed them and you, you, know, you go through tragedies of life well god's testing you we go through you know horrendous events well you know the bible says that god all, all things work together f uh, for good don't you love that romans 8 28 right god works out. but it, it doesn't say that god works all bad things together for good so people don't think that a tragedy has to occur before good can occur you know good is perfectly a, a, able to be, to occur in your life without a tragedy coming first amen you can have good just because it's tuesday or wednesday or thursday Good, good is not necessary, is not required to come after a tragedy. Now, in fact, uh, the way I read that verse, all things work together for good to those who love the Lord and call the corner's purpose, is when I arrive somewhere, good is there. It's not after a tragedy happens and God's going to somehow turn this, this awful tragedy into something good. 
Well, he didn't cause a tragedy to begin with, but it's kind of implies, well, God is, you know, he orchestrated this tragedy so good could come out of it. No, God's not orchestrating tragedies so good because that would not be a good God. That would be a, a mental God, a, a God who's got mental health issues who would go and cause a terrible tragedy and then say, yeah, but uh, uh, they got the witness to somebody. Oh, th that's great. You know, they could have just witnessed to somebody without a tree exploding upon their car first, right? They could have just gone to that nurse or doctor and say, hey, you know, the Lord loves you. They don't have to have somebody die in their household and then end up in the hospital in traction for six weeks and six months or a year and then say, well, you know, because God uh, caused this tree to fall on my head, I got the witness of this person. That's, that's just terrible that God would do that, that God would orchestrate that on purpose, intentionally allow that tragedy to occur so that the one person could be witnessed to. Why don't you just have an unction from the Lord, which is how we're supposed to operate anyway, to go witness to that person. You get an unction from the Lord, go down to the hospital, talk to Dr. So-and-so and witness to him, tell him God loves him. Why can't we do that? Is that not possible? Surely God can lead us into those things, right? Didn't he tell Philip to go down this way and tell other people go this way and go talk to that person? Well, surely he can, right? Surely he will. So, so it just, uh, I was just, just been meditating on that and just, because I've heard that, you know, just the people having a hard time with faith. And, and it, you know, bothers me as a minister that people have made faith out to be so hard that it's almost like an excuse, oh, Lord, it's not my fault. It's not my fault that I have faith because faith is too hard to obtain. Uh, and and I, I was talking to a neighbor one time and, and uh, the church that he went to, now he knew I was a pastor. He knew, in fact, he knew I was a full gospel pastor. Uh, and uh, he, he didn't go to a full gospel church. He went to a denominational church who doesn't believe in healing. And he went to the leadership and said, hey, um, I, I would like some teaching on healing. Well, it's pretty bold to go to them and say, hey, you know, you need to teach on this, right? But whatever right so and he said well they told me well we don't believe in that so that's why we don't teach it <laughs> you know i'm thinking okay then go somewhere else right you know he's talking to me right uh, that one who you know he's talking to somebody he could go to the church and we get teaching on that and uh, and so you know we just nah, i didn't tell him leave his church you know he should have been smart enough to realize if i can't get the teaching i need I should go somewhere else, right? But, you know, I didn't tell him that. It's not my business to tell him that. Uh, and so, uh, but, but uh, um, he, he was talking about, you know, how hard it is to, to get healing and, uh, and um, uh, how hard it is to, to believe in that. And I said, well, you know, really, the Lord's, uh, the Lord's got the hard part because you've got to do the believing and he's the one who's got to do the healing, right? You don't have to come up with the healing yourself. You don't have to figure out how to, kill cancer or how to rearrange dna or how to fix a bone or you know you don't have to you just believe god and he does all those things and i said so so god's got the hard part we've got the easy part to believe he said well believing is hard too well just switch jobs with god and and you're required now to produce healing when there is none and his his job is to believe in you well, that'd be really sad if, if if we had to depend on god believing in me for something to happen that that would be really tough right there right so so he said faith was hard. Faith is not hard. Uh, and, you know, I, I was telling about how I had an advantage when I came into the church, you know, as a 15-year-old as uh, teenager. Uh, and I remember, you know, I didn't know anything about healing. I didn't know that healing was a thing. I didn't know prosperity was a thing. I didn't know anything was a thing. I didn't know anything. 
And so every time I heard a new doctrine that was new to me, it wasn't new to the church. They'd heard it for decades, I imagine. You know, I don't know how old that church was, but it was a full gospel church. So you know, I thank God that I started my Christian life in a full gospel church. And the first time they said, well, God's a healer. You know, to me, it was the easiest thing in the world to believe. Well, okay, well, God's a good God. God's a healer. Those two things line up, right? Those two things going together, right? If God's a good God, God would heal. Okay, sure, no problem. Well, God will prosper you. And to do that, you know, you should, you should give tithes to the Lord. Okay, fine. Where, where do I start? I didn't, know, I didn't know tithing was a thing, right? I didn't know, no, never even heard the word tithing, you know. Uh, and, but then they said tithing is a thing. God, you know, says to tithe and, and he'll open up the windows of heaven for you. And Okay, where do I start? You know, it was the easiest thing in the world to believe because I didn't know not to believe. Nobody told me that you're not supposed to believe these things. Nobody said, well, here's a list of things you're supposed to believe. Here's the things the Bible says you can have but you're not supposed to believe those i didn't know that was a rule i didn't know that that there's a list of things you're not supposed to believe in i just assumed when you read the word of god that that if you find a promise that the promise belongs to you unless it's specific to the jews or you know some some very limited cases like that but there's very few of those most of them are just general to the entire church and to the to the to really to all of humanity right because for god so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son so the promise of salvation belongs to the whole world not just to the church and anybody in the world Anytime they want to, can believe God and receive salvation. In fact, I did. I did not, nobody prayed for me. I didn't go, there was no sinner's prayer, I, I, no, no altar call that I responded to. I just did it on my own. Somebody on TV said, here's how to get saved. I thought, okay, I can do that. And I went and got saved. I just did what they said to do, and I got saved. Yeah. And, you know, the thing that's amazing is, you know, it doesn't matter how, how strong of, of a control that the devil has on somebody's life. It doesn't matter. Anytime a human being exercises the free will, they can get out of it. You remember the Gadarene demoniac there in Mark chapter 5? Jesus went across the sea just to go see this man. And he had a legion of demons. And the Bible says he came and worshipped Jesus. Uh, And and Jesus saw a spark in him that his will wanted free. Now, he didn't know how to get free. He didn't have the power to get free, but his will wanted free. And if his will wanted to be free, God will make a way. And God made a way to go to that man and, and bring Jesus to that man, only man he wouldn't talk to, right? Uh, eventually, he did talk to the, to, the, uh, uh, to, to the community, and they all asked him to leave because, like, this scared us. I mean, we've we known this man forever, you know. He's a crazy man. He's strong and, and break chains and cry in the, in the nights and cut himself, and this guy's crazy. Now, you come along and just somehow with your magic voodoo got him to be seated, clothed in his right mind, that scares us. And so they asked Jesus to leave, which is a shame because they should have said, well, if you can do that to him, why don't you do that to me, right? And they didn't take advantage of Jesus. They asked him to leave because, you know, they were so superstitious that they, did, they were afraid of Jesus, which is, a, which is sad. But, but the man had a spark of his will, said, I want free from this. He came and worshiped Jesus. I, I, uh, I want free from these demonic powers. It doesn't matter how deep you are in, in sin and the world. If you have a spark of desire to get out of it, God will meet you there, and he will get you out of it. He will bring somebody. Now, you can do it on your own. I mean, if, you, if that man, you know, of course, salvation wasn't available to him and by faith like it is today, but if, if that same person today was around, he could do just like I did and walk, walk through the living room. Somebody on TV say you can get saved, and he could do that right there, drop on his knees, and there's not a devil in all of the universe that is powerful enough to resist the will of a man whose desire is to, is to know God. Uh, and that's the great, uh, and that right there alone tells us we have a better covenant based upon better promises. Uh, and so, uh, you know, I just want to encourage you: make sure your 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 confession never 
hinders your uh, accumulation of faith. Don't ever say, I wish I, I, wish I had great faith like them. That, that's a cop-out. You should say, I will have great faith like them. If they have great faith, I will have great faith. Uh, don't ever cop it out, you know, I, I just can't have great faith. That's really telling the Lord, Lord, I, I know you said I could, but you're wrong. I cannot. I cannot do what you said I could do. You are incorrect when you stated that I can have faith, that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. That works for everybody. It doesn't work for me. Your word is not true. Now, we wouldn't quite say it that way because that sounds disrespectful and, and unkind and, uh, and, and um, uh, it's just wrong to say that about the Lord or about his word. But that's really what we're saying, right? When we say, I can't have great faith, then, Lord, you're wrong. You are not correct. Because you said that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. There must be something else. There must be something more to obtaining faith than just reading your word, than just meditating your word. There's got to be something, some special, you've called this person in a special way to have great faith. Everybody else is too bad. So because you move sovereignly for that person, I don't have access to that great faith because it's only obtained by your sovereign will and your sovereign will is not shined upon me. Uh, and that's a sad place to be, right? And that, of course, it's 100% unbiblical. And yet, do we say things like that? Do, do we accuse the Lord of his word not being so? See, that just means you don't have faith in the Lord. You, you've got to get to where you know the Lord. You know, not, not the book, chapter, and verse of the Lord, which reveals, himself, reveals him to us, but do you know him? Do you know him to be a man of his word? See, I know him to be a man. Of, if he says it, then okay, then that belongs to me. And I may have to figure out how to work it. I may have to, the Lord may have to say, well, in order for this work in your life, you've got to change this and just that. Well, okay, then I can do that, Lord, right? Because sometimes your confession needs to be adjusted, right? Or maybe there's a hindrance of sin in your life, or maybe there's just, you know, that you've got uh, uh, old, old thoughts about how God operates. Well, God's just a mean God. He's mad. And that could be a hindrance to you receiving uh, a blessing of the Lord. Well, a mad God would never just want to bless me just because he wants to bless me. That's not, you know, I have to earn it. And a lot of, a lot of times in our society, we're taught work hard, and earn what you get, you know, and, and which, is, which is fine in, in the right setting. But we take that on into the church. Well, then I've got to earn favor with God. I've got to be good. I've got to go a whole day without cussing somebody. I've got to go a whole day without saying anything unkind to my spouse. And then, then we go to the Lord and say, Lord, look, I've been good for a whole day. Now you owe me. You're in my debt. Well, God's not in anybody's debt. In fact, there's no debt. God's already done everything for you, so how are you going to pay for something that you, that you own? All right, if, if, if someone gives you something, here, you know, here, here's a gift. Let me pay you for that. Well, it's a gift. I know, but I'm going to pay you for it. Well, it's a gift. It's not a gift if you pay me for it. It's a, it's a purchase, right? And some people have the hardest time receiving from the Lord. And I'll tell you, if you don't know how to receive from each other, you'll never know how to receive from the Lord. And some people, that's the hardest thing in the world. You know, no, I can't, I can't do that. No, I, I can't do that. And, you know, sometimes they'll pull out some stories from the Old Testament. You know, David did that, you know, when, when, when um, he went to go buy, you know, this, this piece of land from somebody. And they, well, I give it to you. No, no, no. He said, I'm not going to do this without cost. But there was a reason for that, you know. And, and, uh, and so, and same thing with Abraham. He had a story similar to that. But there was a very specific reason. That's not doctrine that you don't ever allow somebody to give you things, um, that's just those particular stories, right? So sometimes people will, will, will take those stories and add them to their life and, and not apply them correctly. And, and so, so is faith a hard thing? Is faith hard to obtain? 
It's really not the easiest thing in the world. And if you have a hard time with, with an, one particular area, you've got to meditate on the word. You've got to go find. Sometimes one verse is sufficient. Just meditate on one verse. God is love. Meditate on God is love. You know, if you meditate on God is love long enough, you'll be healed. I mean, you don't have to meditate on, on he's, he's my physician. You meditate on God is love. If he's a loving God, wouldn't he want to heal you? If you, if you had the capacity and uh, the ability to heal somebody supernaturally, wouldn't you do it? If you saw the suffering of somebody and they came to you uh, and said, would you please heal me? And, and, and somehow, through some, uh, 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 some event, you have the power in and of yourself, not through God, just in and of yourself to heal somebody, wouldn't you do that? Why? Because you care for people. You would have empathy towards them when they come to you. And well, How many people came to Jesus and left healed? hundred percent every single one that came to jesus left healed now, other people didn't come to jesus they didn't get healed but everybody that came to jesus got healed well i'm going to just wipe it all away well there's a, a aspect of faith in fact many of the people that came to jesus he said your faith has made you whole they believed in jesus the healer and so there's a faith component in those things so i just wanted to encourage you in that you know uh check up on your own uh, your own um confession what are you confessing when it when it relates to faith what are you confessing when it comes to anything in your life that's less than the blessed, full blessings of the Lord? You know, if you're not living in the full blessings of the Lord in one particular area, what does your confession sound like in that area, right? Over here, you may be like, God's my, my redeemer. He, he, will, he will forgive me of every sin. That's great. But over here, you know, every time it gets cold, my, you know, uh, my bursitis acts up, you know. But, over, you know, over here, so it's you're good, right? But over here, what's your confession doing? It, it's... It's short-circuiting your faith, right? It's short-circuiting the Word of God in your life. Because He's still the healer, whether your bursitis is acting up when it turns cold or not. He's still the healer, amen? You know, and why are you calling it your bursitis anyway? Does, does sickness belong to you? It I would never say my anything, right? I may say my knee, but I would never say, you know, my blood disease. Or, I mean, I would never say that. I only like to even say that in, in the context of saying I wouldn't say that. Uh, and so... Now, what's your confession in that area? What are you saying in that area? Um, and, and, you know, if your confession is not right, I'd get up every day and start with your confession being correct until it became who you are. You know, say, say these things, you know, go find the word of God, the basis that's the foundation of what you believe in, and say it until, it, until your heart hooks up and they go, you know, you're right, you're right. And meditate on that verse. Think about that verse. You know, God, you're, uh, God is love. If God's love, you know, if I was loved, if I loved somebody, wouldn't I do that? Well, surely God's better than me. You know, go to Matthew seven eleven, right? If you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more would your Father in heaven give, give you good things? How much more? Uh, and so, uh, again, uh, not hard. It's not difficult. Don't make it difficult. Amen? Uh, we, we're the world's worst. Humanity is the world's worst of overcomplicating easy things. Amen? Uh, the easiest thing in the world will make it so complicated. Uh, and so uh, that's not anything to do with the Philippians, but uh, it's still good, right? Uh, and so uh, we are here in the book of Philippians, and uh, we started talking about uh, Timothy, uh, the example that Timothy was, uh, the, the, or the example that uh, Timothy shows us about how he worked with Paul. Uh, and so we didn't get quite done with that, so I wanted to uh, read that here. Uh, this is Philippians 2.19. It says, but I trust... In the Lord Jesus, to send Timotheus, or Timothy, 
surely unto you that I also may be of good comfort when I know your state, right? So he wanted to know how they were doing. And he didn't ask them to send somebody to him. He sent somebody to them. And I think it's, you know, just basically, well, you know, if you send me somebody, I don't know them, right? I don't know, I don't know who they are. I don't know if they're a man of their word. You know, they might be telling me a story. Everything's fine. Everything may not be fine. So it's not that he didn't believe them or trust them. You know, trust comes over a period of time. It's not an immediate, automatic thing. Uh, it can be with the Lord because is the Lord trustworthy? He's inherently trustworthy. Amen. He, you don't have to try him, although, you know, we talked Sunday a little bit about how Sarah did try him uh, because she didn't know him at first. But once you know the Lord, you know, once you get to a certain point of knowing the Lord, then from that point on, everything he says is trustworthy. It's always been trustworthy, but it does take some time sometimes in your heart to get to the point where I believe the Lord is trustworthy. If he says something, it's so. So he wanted to send Timothy because he needed an accurate uh, report of how they were doing. And, and so that's what he said. He said, I want to send, I need to know your state. I need to know how you're doing uh, and, and how's everything with you. Um, and so he said that I also may be of good comfort because, you know, Paul was a human being and it was comforting him to know whether or not the Philippians were doing well. Uh, and it's not that he was worrying about him, but, you know, if they're not doing well, then, 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 then that's, that's not the desire of Paul's heart. His desires are to doing well. He said, For I have no man like-minded who will naturally care for your state, for all seek their own, not the things which are, which are Jesus Christ's. Uh, and this is, a, you know, this is one of the greatest testimonies about somebody who's helping Paul you know, Paul, in all of his writings, mentions probably dozens of people. You know, lots of different people in different contexts, different uh, uh, positions that he, they held within his ministry. Uh, but this is one of the best things that Paul could say about, I have no man like mine that who will naturally care for your state. So uh, when he said uh, about being like-minded of equal soul and confidence. So whatever Paul's desire was, was Timothy's desire. Uh, and, and so we're going to talk a, a little bit about that as we go along. Uh, and, uh, you know, he, his goals were the same as Timothy's. Timothy's goals were the same as Paul's, right? So when Paul sent Timothy there, you know, uh, if there was infighting or, or conflict or strife in the church, Timothy's like, no, that we, we're not having that. Why? Because Paul would have said, we're not having that, right? And so so Paul could send Timothy because he's sending himself, basically. He's like-minded, like Paul. Uh, and, he, and he says, I have no man like this except for Timothy. Now, he had, at least he had one, right? But that, that's not necessarily a, a, um, a slam or, you know, a, a, uh, um, uh, an indictment against anybody else because, you know, there are other people. There was Barnabas, you know, and there's uh, Aquila and Priscilla and, you know, different people like that. And it's not that all of them are bad, but they may have had their own agenda, right? You know, well, you know, Paul's sending me, but, you know, uh, I'm going to be in charge when I get there, so uh, I need to see how they're doing for my benefit, right? Uh, and so it's not that they were necessarily wrong, but they weren't like-minded with Paul. They weren't connected with Paul. They weren't of the same soul, of equal soul with Paul. And when you have somebody working for you, the greatest thing you can have when somebody's working for you is somebody to be of like-minded that you are. That your goals are their goals, and their goals are your goals. That makes it the easiest thing in the world. You're, you're working together. 
you're on a team, and you can say, well, just go do that. Just go paint that. And you don't have to worry about, well, are they going to paint it like hot pink? You know, you have to tell them what color. They're going to paint it a color that you would paint it, right? Uh, I remember uh, this was years ago uh, when uh, I was at my pastor's church. They had decided to paint the, uh, paint the uh, uh, fellowship hall, right? It's a big wall, you know, a big wall, kind of like that wall right there. And so it was an elder of the church, right? The elder of the church, oh, I'm going to help, okay. So first thing he did is he painted his name in giant letters on the, on the wall because he thought it was funny. Look, I painted my name. Well, the problem, if you paint your name on the wall and you go put a coat of paint on top of that, now how many coats of paint has your name got? It's got two coats of paint, right? How many coats of paint does the rest of the wall have? One coat of paint. So what do you think you're going to see? You're going to see their name, right? Doesn't You put 100 coats on it, it's got one more coat than the rest of it, right? Now, eventually it's going to fade out, you know, so that if you put enough coats of paint on it, you won't see it, but how many coats of paint it's going to take? It took a lot. I mean, I don't remember how many, but a lot. Not one coat, two coats. It's like four or five coats, you know, probably to get where his name, when you walked in the fellowship hall, you didn't see his name across the entire thing. Now, see, he wasn't like-minded. If he was like-minded, you know, my pastor liked things done well. And that wouldn't have been a good thing to do, right? Now, if you did in a little corner, you know, whatever, fine, right? But, but uh, what was his heart? Well, his heart was just to be funny and, and to get attention to himself. And it wasn't like, you know, uh, uh, a capital punishment, right? Off with his head kind of a punishment. It was just you know, not being like-minded, amen? And, and, uh, and the thing is, uh, Paul said, I have no one else except for Timothy to do that. So this is, a, this is a, a rare trait that's really hard to find, right? Uh, and, and what you've got to figure out in your own heart, uh, if you're working for the pastor, uh, but let's just take it out of the church for just a minute. If you're working for your boss, are you like-minded with your boss? Are the boss's goals your goals? Or are your goals different than the boss's goals? Well, I've got my own ambition, my own desires, and, and you know, this is the way I'm going to do it. Yeah, but that's not the way the boss would do it. Yeah, but if I do it this way, I'll get attention, and I'll get promoted, and, and all will be well. Well, then you're not like-minded. And, and, and Paul said, you know, you should be like-minded. If you're working for somebody, you should be like-minded. You know, it shouldn't be uh, a conflict uh, you know, like, like, of course, we redid all of, all of the, the sanctuary here. And, you know, it was really easy because, uh, uh, like the contractor, you know, he'd say, well, well what do you want to do? Well, this way I want to do it. Okay. That's fine, right? You, you know, uh, years ago, we did the outside of the church. And we renovated the whole outside, right? We, we took all the stuff out, put all new stuff on there. One of the things we wanted was all those lights. You know, see all those lights outside, right? And so... I said, well, what I want is lights. I want these kind of lights, just like they are right now, and I want them to, you know, to shine like this. I don't, the, to, I don't have to turn them on. Just, I want to have a sensor that when it gets dark, they just turn on. That's what I want. And the contractor's like, no problem. So he brought the electrician, and, and now the problem is, you see how thick this wall is, right? So you've got to go through you know, the, the two-by-four the, the two walls, and then you've got concrete, and you've got brick, and you got stone, you know, so it's like, it's like 18 to 24 inches of depth that you've got to get through just to get from the front of the wall to the back of the wall, right, to drill the hole through there, and they run the wire and all that stuff. Well, that, that sounds like a lot of work, and it's a lot of work, right, to do that. And so, but that's what I wanted. I'm paying for it. That's, that's what I wanted. And, and so the electrician's like, well, that's really hard. Why don't you just get solar lights? You know, those little cheap solar lights, you know, I mean, they're great for the first 15 minutes of dark, but that, that, they, they run out of battery and then 
and then you know they only could get so many charges on them and you got to replace them every few years and they're not nearly as bright as as a as a powered light uh, and so it's uh, uh, not what I wanted so we're going back and and and, and so the contractor's like well you got to do it that's what he wants yeah but it's, it's too hard and we went round and round and like yeah but that's what I want it's like well it's hard and finally the contractor just go home he told like just you're, you're fired he fired him right there on the spot why because he wasn't like-minded should be the easiest thing I'm paying for it I'm the cut just do it that's what I want right why why it's not an impossible thing it's a hard thing if it was an easy thing I'd do it if it's a hard thing that's why I pay somebody else to do it they got the skill the tools the, the experience to do it that's what they that's what their job is right if, if you don't want to do the hard things and why you have this job right I just want to do the easy I just you know just plug it in you know just get an extension cord just, we'll just run extension cords outside it's the easiest thing to do right well I could do that I don't need to pay somebody to do that and so the question for you is, are you like-minded with, with, uh, with your boss, right? Are your goals your boss's goals? Because Jesus said, if, if you're not faithful over another man's, then uh, he said he won't make you ruler of your own, right? In fact, he said the other way around, if you're faithful over another man's, he'll make you ruler of your own stuff. But see, if you're not faithful, so the implication is, if you're not faithful over another man's work right over another man's things he'll you'll never have your own thing now you may get it on your own but he'll, you'll never get it from the blessings of the lord so you know that's really as you said in verse 21 for all seek their own not the things with their jesus christ now see he's in the previous verse that he's like-minded to paul because the other people don't want the things that jesus wants so what he's saying is you know if you want what i want you want what jesus wants uh, and, and, you know, and, and really, that's not that, 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 to say that Paul was deity. It's just, you know, unless it was immoral, then whatever Paul wants is what Paul should get. He's, he, if he's in charge and he wants to send somebody, he wants to find out how somebody's doing, then that's what he wants them to do. He wants to, you go find out, go find out how the Philippians are doing and, 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 and have empathy and desire to make sure they're doing well, the way that I would want them to be doing well, right? Not, fin- not just financially, but spiritually, right, so, uh, in their mind, in their soulless realm, uh, in their faith, make sure they're doing good. I, the way that I would want them to, to find doing good, right? And, you know, if, if someone's like, well, they have the biggest church in town. That's not what I wanted to know. That, that's, that's great. That's fine, right? But is, is that his goal? His goal is, are they doing well spiritually? Are, are they in faith? Are they walking in love? They all, yeah, but they're, I don't know about that, uh, Paul, but they're, but they're you know, uh, they've got the mayor goes to the church there and, you know, the board of elders, you know, I mean, they got all these fa- fa- fancy people there, all that full of doctors and lawyers. Nothing wrong with doctors and lawyers come to your church, obviously, but is that what God, Paul wanted to know? How many doctors are going to their church? Is that what he wanted to know? No, he wanted to know how they're doing. How are they doing? And, and, and he shouldn't have to explain it with, with 27 pages of instructions. Okay, check for this, check for this, check for that. See, if you're like-minded, I've got it, Paul. No problem, i got it, Paul. Don't worry about it. I got it. I got it. No problem. Uh, and um, and so uh, let, let's turn back to, uh, I want to look at some examples of this because we've, we'll look at a good example and then we'll look at a bad example of this. Turn to 2 Kings chapter 1 here. So we'll look at, good, at a good, good example here. And then we'll look at one that's uh, not quite as good, right? So 2 Kings chapter, uh, chapter 2. So, this is a story with Elijah and Elisha, just before Elijah is going uh, up to heaven. And, you know, we've got to be a little careful because, you know, sometimes uh, people think, 
you know, unless you're a, a servant for a thousand years, you know, God will never promote you. And that, you know, I mean, as far as we know, Elijah wasn't a servant of anybody. The Lord can do whatever he wants to, right? But sometimes your path is through the path of somebody else. And that's fine if that's the way it is, right? But, you know, my path was through my pastor. I served my pastor for 20 years. Uh, and, and his goals were my goals. Uh, whatever he wanted to do, you know, one time he said, you know, I really, this was years ago, right? He said, I, I really want to start putting out tape series. You know, you know those. Th- th- it's not really a, that big of a deal as much anymore. You know, you don't really see ministries. You see it a little bit, but you don't see it. You know, we used to do several of them. We don't even do them anymore because everything's online now. And, uh, and, and you know, sometimes it's helpful to pull out certain messages and group them together. And we haven't taken the time to do that. You know, and as the church grows and there's a need for that, we can always go back and add that uh, to there. Uh, but that's what he wanted. He wanted, a, 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 you know, a couple of tapes in a tape series. And, um, uh, and I think that the name of the first series was Where Does the Christian Sin? Uh, and in case you don't know, it's in his flesh. And so he had two tapes on that. He wanted those two tapes put in a tape series. He'd never done that before. So, so you think about, you know, what's, what's necessary to do that? Well, number one, you've got to edit the tapes, right? So, so things that are just, you know, where he, where he pauses and say, um, or right, or okay, you know. Uh, sometimes I go back and listen to him. It's like, how many times do I say right? you know, or okay. And I think, wow, I say that way too much, you know. And somebody, we, we, Jerry, you should put a little, get a little counter, we'll put it on the wall back there. Every time I say okay, add a little tick to it, right? And, and, and so, uh, okay. Uh, and so, um, uh, you know, it's just a tick. It's just something you do just out of habit. And sometimes you do it more than other times. Uh, but, uh, so, you, so you had to edit the tape. Well, this was before you do this on the computer, right? This was back before, you know, this is when the, early 90s right so i mean digitizing a cassette onto a computer was was almost unheard of probably not unheard of but but you know it was really expensive to do something like that back then uh, nowadays i mean uh, you should see my i've got a whole digitizing workstation at home i've got a, a dedicated computer i've got uh, four cassette decks there you know two cassette decks of double cassette decks either uh, combined plus i've got a, a reel-to-reel Machine, anybody remember reel-to-reel machines, right? I just digitized several reel-to-reel tapes the other day from the, from the 60s from Brother Hagen. And then I've got a CD player, so I've got a CD, I can, I can digitize CDs, cassette tapes, and reel-to-reel tapes. The only thing I don't have is 8-tracks, and I don't think, I've never heard, seen a ministry uh, output message on 8-track. Anybody have seen that? I've never seen that, right? I, don't, I think they skip from, straight from reel-to-reel straight to cassettes. Uh, and I don't have a record player either, you know, I've never seen people... Do they, um, there may be some out there, but I don't have any of those, you know. And so, anyway, um, not, not easiest thing in the world to do now. I just click buttons, bam, it's like magic. It all shows up. Edit it, you know, you don't like that, take it out. In fact, you combine things, it's super easy. It wasn't super easy then. So the way you did it was you had uh, the master tape. You got a dual tape deck. You had a master tape and the new tape. And so you'd hit play and record at the same time. And then if something was bad, you would... You would have to hit them stop, and you know, I'm probably taking way too much time to do this. Hit stop, rewind the new master tape where the stuff you didn't want was there. So if you said um for a long time, you'd have to rewind, you know, five seconds and hit play. No, that's not right. Rewind a little bit more. Play. Okay, that's stop it right there. And then back over to another one. Then you had to hit play and record again, so it recorded over that bad spot there, right? You know how long it takes to edit a tape like that? Just one tape. It's so slow. I mean, it just takes, you know, Jerry Allen did that a lot of times, you know, and so slow. 
hours and hours. You know, nowadays you just hit play and you record it all digitally on the computer and then you just, you can see it, you know, like long pause. You just cut out a long pause, just cut it, you know, it's gone. You know, uh, uh, five seconds, not even that long. Uh, but back then it was hours just to do one tape. So it was a two-tape series. So we had to do that, edit the tapes. And then well, how are you going uh, to do the labels, right? You had to print the labels for these things, right? Well, well you could type hand type them with a typewriter, right? You know how long it would take to hand type? Every single label was a type, you know, because you had to have the title, the, the, the cassette title, the series title, the series number, the, the author, right, Pastor Vaughn. You just you had to type all that on every single label. You'd be there just forever, right? So, so instead of spending, you know, 20 minutes uh, typing all those labels up, I spent 20 hours writing a program to do that, right? Because, you know, it's way better. But see, the second label takes a second. The first label took 20 hours of programming to write a computer program to do that. The second label was, was almost instant. So I wrote this really nice, fancy program to do all that stuff so I could print out all the labels. And then you had to do the cassette cover, right? So the box itself, the, you know, the cover, the cassette cover, and, and it has a front cover, it has a side cover, the binding, and it has a back cover, right? So it's got three covers, and that's when it had to be three separate things. So I had to design the cover, right? So I only had black and white printer. I didn't have color printer. So I spent hours, you know, I'd study, you know, the font, you know, had the right size. You had to have the title there and the description and the date and, you know, and on the back of it. Uh, I didn't know how to get the photograph on there, so... Uh, so I had to skip a photograph, but I had to have, you know, a summary of the, of the series and then, you know, and then a kind of a, a biography, a short bio of the pastor, you know, the pastor Kenneth James Vaughn, you know, started a church in 1983, graduated Rainbow Bible Training Center, blah, 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 all that on and then the binding. You had to decide it had to be the right size font, had to make sure it fit on there and we printed it out. I, I mean, we've only talked about this for a few minutes. And you're probably like, oh, when are you going to get over it? That's how much effort. One cassette series, right? One cassette series. First one he ever did. I spent, I mean, probably 40 hours on this one cassette series. I mean, it's probably longer than that because so much time writing that software to do that. So many hours. Now, he, now he wasn't with me every time. That, that um right there, that, leave that one in. There's no way he could be there. I had to be like-minded. What, what I had to do it the way I would think that he would want it done. Not the way I wanted it done, the way that he would want it done. And, and, and I knew the way he wanted it done was it needed to be with excellence. You know, not sloppy, not, it don't matter. And, and so at the beginning of the tape, I had to put an introduction, you know, welcome to, uh, you know, uh, 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 church name and, uh, you know, uh, hope, uh, you know, uh, the title of the series at the end of it, you know, for more information, contact the church at this phone number, you know, this address, whatever. That was before websites existed, so there's no email address, there's no website to go to, um, but you had to have an introduction, and I had to record that, right? I had to record that with my voice, get a microphone, attack, hook it up to the cassette player. I mean, you know, so how long do you reckon that took? It took a lot of time. But it, it, I had to be like-minded. He didn't tell me everything, every single thing. He didn't tell me what the words to put on there. He didn't tell me what font to use. He didn't tell me what size cassette boxes to I had to figure all that out on my own. Because, you know, I, now I could have, you know, some people... There, you ask them to do something and they will just bury you with questions, right? Hey, paint the wall. Well, what color paint? Well, I don't know. I just want a nice. Well, you want me to use a roller or a brush? Well, I don't know. Oh, just use a roller. Okay, you want me to use the quarter-inch nap or the half-inch nap? I don't know. I mean, what's that even mean, right? Uh, you want me to go, go up and down or side to side? I, I don't know. Just do it, right? Just, 
you know, now you can bury, see, that's not being like-minded, that's, you don't know anything, and you have to get, I don't know, sometimes you've got to ask questions, no doubt, right? So there's a balance to everything, you find the balance, right? But some people would do that on purpose, right? I'm going to just bury them in questions so they never ask me to do anything again. Well, that's not being like-minded, that's not being uh, the person that we should be, right? Uh, and so, so we did it, we produced his first uh, cassette tapes and produced many cassette tapes after that. But, you know, the amazing thing, after spending all that time, I showed it to him, you know, and he, he was so happy. But then he looked at it and he goes, well, can we do it in color next time? Uh, and he never did thank me for it, you know. And it's okay, though. You know, I get my, I lay up for myself treasures in heaven. And see, I, I would thank somebody for that. For me, somebody does that work, I would thank him, you know. And there's nothing wrong with thanking people, right? Some people, some ministers get this. Well, you, you shouldn't thank people. They're your servants. We're all servants of the Most High God. Amen? I'm a servant. Amen. I serve you every day. I spent hours and hours in the, in the office today studying as a servant to you, right, to, to do that for your benefit, to, uh, to help you. And, and I'm fine with that. I'm glad to do it. Amen. Uh, love doing it. Uh, and so, see, now, I had to be like-minded. He didn't have to tell me everything. He didn't have to say, hey, when are you going to do that? Hey, when are you going to do that? He just said, I, I want it done. And, and then I saw, uh, you know, he didn't have to bug me for it 50 times. Hey, you ever going to do that? You know, if you're going to bug somebody 100 times to do something, just, I'll just forget it. I just won't ever ask. This, you know, just, it's not worth the effort because if I've got to beg you to do something, it, it, that, that's how it works, right? Uh, and, and I told you about the time someone said, came up to me and said, uh, uh, Pastor, uh, uh, what can I do to help run the church? And you know, we really don't need a whole lot, right? People come in and clean the church, and, and besides that, there's not a lot of things that have to get done, right? Uh, Jared's got a million things he's got to do. He's got to produce, you know, the podcasts and the videos, and he's got to do those things. And, uh, and I don't have to bug him about all that. You know, he does that, you know, produces the CDs, and, uh, you know, people um, request CDs. You know, CDs are free here. Uh, and um, um, I don't have to, uh, Chris, have you got the, the, the list of CDs made yet? Have you made all the CDs people ask for? I don't have to ask her for that. She takes care of that. Uh, and uh, And so, uh, someone said, what, what, what would you like done? I said, well, you know, really all that needs to be done is man, if you clean the baseboards because, you know, the time the person was cleaning it, they, they couldn't, they, they didn't have the ability, they, uh, it was too hard for them to get down and clean the baseboards. So, you know, everything else was fairly clean in the church except for the baseboards. Oh, well, I don't want to do that. <laughs> well, see, that's not like-minded. You know, that's not having a servant's attitude, right? Because if you said anything, well, then that's, that's a thing, right? Wouldn't, wouldn't that be a thing if you said anything? Now, if you said, hey, have you got anything that needs to be painted? Well, I don't need any painter. Okay, I just, I'm a painter, you know? Okay, fine, right? But then anything, right? Anything, well, then, if you said anything, well, then I'll give you anything, right? And, and so, uh, well, they, well, anything with that. Well, okay, fine, you know? And so, so uh, we may not get through with, with our uh, Elijah and Elisha, but uh, but Elijah was the senior minister, right, senior prophet here. And um, if we go back, we won't go back to 1 Kings chapter 18. The Lord said, you go anoint Eli Elisha in your stead, right? So at that point in time, basically, Elijah's ministry was coming to an end. And the Lord said, well, you're going to be replaced with Elisha. And so he went and told Elisha, you know, called him. And, and, then, and then he left. And Elisha had to, you know, he went and killed a couple of ox, you know, ate him, and had uh, a time with his friends who went and found Elisha, Elijah and joined up with him and was with them for, uh, they estimated about 11 years, about 11 years from the time that, that uh, 1 Kings chapter 18 to, to 2 Kings chapter 2 here. Uh, and uh, what did Elisha, what was, ever, what was Elisha ever known to do under the ministry of Elijah? As far as any, what, what miracles did Elisha do when he was under the ministry of Elijah? 
Anybody know? He did nothing. Not a single time did he ever act like a prophet. Never, not a single time did he ever go and do the work of a prophet. He never prophesied. He never healed anybody. He never talked to the king. Never. Eleven years, nothing. Who's willing to do that, right? Well, I'm a prophet. I, I, the Lord told him to put me in his stead. Yeah, but he didn't say when. He just said, you know, that when you leave, he's going to replace you, right? And, and, you know, of course, some people like, we get up every day. Hey, Elijah, how you feeling? Looking a little sick over there. You getting weak? Time to retire? You know, it's like, hey, can I measure your, your bedroom for curtains? Because when you leave, I want new curtains. I don't like those old curtains you got, you know. They start being ambitious, right? Start, hey, uh, you're, you look tired. Let me go do that. I'll go talk to the king for you today. They start buttoning on his, on, his, on his stuff. They can't be the servant. They can't be Elijah's servant. They want their place, right? Let's see, that's not, Paul said, I need somebody like-minded. So uh, Elisha was the right man for the job, right? Just like Moses was the right man for the job. And, uh, now look, are you required to be in servitude till forever? No, there's no, there's no law, right? Now, I served my pastor for 20 years, uh, roughly about 20 years uh, a little bit before I got married, but, but uh, really full-time for 18 years after we got married. But before that, you know, we were off and on in his church. Uh, and so uh, about 20 years that I was with him, running, running sound but doing other things, right? Did all the stuff I told you about, the cassette tapes and books and, and uh, things like that. And uh, taught, he had a Bible school for a while. I taught in his Bible school. I was on the, on the board of the church. I was an elder for a while. And uh, just, you know, basically every, anything that he needed me to do, I was glad to do it. Traveled with him a lot of times overseas, around the country uh, as he ministered. And he would go minister and he, and he would want the praise and worship team to go with him. So I was running sound. So I'd have to figure out how to package all the sound stuff up, take it with us, unpack it, set it up, you know, and, and do all that. A lot of work, you know, and it's all volunteer work. There's no, there's no payment involved in that, no, no physical payment in that. Uh, and um, glad to do it. Now, I knew someday I'd be in the ministry. I don't know when, but someday I knew I'd be in the mission. So here I am today, right? And I, and I believe with all that I am that I, would, I wouldn't have the revelation that the Lord has given to me if I hadn't been a faithful servant to my pastor and be like-minded. Because he didn't have to give me 17 layers of details on what he wanted done. He would just say, yeah, I'd like to have that done. And I would know how to do it. Why? Because I wanted it done the way he wanted it done. Not the way I wanted it done, right? And I told you about the time that, uh, you know, he, he liked, uh, I thought he liked Southern gospel music. Uh, and I'm not a, personally, I'm not a fan. My, my friend Jerry Allen loves Southern. The twangier, the better. I mean, it's got a steel guitar, you know, bent all the way up to three different uh, uh, octaves, you know. Uh, he loves it, right? Twangy, you know, just twang, you know. And that's fine. I got no problem with that. You know, not my taste, right? I, not, it's not my taste. Uh, and, and, and I thought that's kind of my, my pastor. But what I learned over the years is it wasn't so much that he liked Southern gospel music. He liked anointed music. And see, once I figured that out, see, then it was easy. Because then I could play a, a Southern gospel music song if it was anointed. Well, then he would like that. And this song over here, if it was Southern gospel, but it wasn't anointed, maybe it was full of doubt and unbelief. You know, plenty of songs are. Well, he wouldn't like that. And so I, I learned, it took me a while to learn that one because I had my own ideas about what I liked and it, it sometimes conflicted with what he wanted and as a servant I had to figure out how to be like-minded with him so I had to figure out well, what does he really like what is it that is is it a style now see if he liked if he just liked uh like now like brother Haken he loved David Ingalls remember remember David Ingalls 
David Ingalls was a, a piano player and psalmist uh, from back in the 80s. You know, there's really not a position of psalmist, but, but that's what he did. He wrote songs, probably thousands of songs, many songs that, that charismatics sang for years. David Ingalls wrote them, and, and, um, but he had a certain style, kind of a, you know, kind of reminded me of like a Frank Sinatra kind of, you know, uh, a cigar room kind of, you know, not, and I don't mean this in a bad way, but just, you know, that kind of a, that piano like that, you know, that uh, wasn't really a, like Keith Green, uh, you know, banging on piano kind of style. It was more of a, you know, kind of the Frank Sinatra kind of style, you know, that kind of, that uh, mid uh, 60s, 70s kind of style piano, right? Not a, it's not a, it's not a, uh, um, uh, not an insult, it's just, just uh, an observation. Uh, and Brother Hagen loved that. I love that music, uh, and 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 when that music would play, he he would he would be anointed, right? It would help him in his anointing to do that, and so that's that's fine. I remember one time my pastor went uh, to one of Brother Hagen's services, and he talked about David Engel's songs, and so he came back and said, "I want you to play David Engel's songs." No problem. I we you know hit play, no problem. Never worked for my pastor. We played a couple times around. And he's like, "Yeah, ain't working." Why? Well, it just didn't work for him, you know. And, and so now it wasn't that. David Ingalls wasn't anointed. He was very anointed, but just that style didn't work for my pastor. So, so he found the path that worked for him. And, and, and my job was, if it worked for him, then that's what he wanted. If it didn't work for him, and sometimes he would let me know, right? That doesn't really work for me. Okay, no problem. Not a problem at all, right? Uh, and so, because uh, I would work with him. Uh, and so, so Elisha uh, worked with Elijah. Uh, and, you know, I, I know that the Lord would just pick people out of the, out of the air like Elisha or like Elijah, and put them in charge. He was never a servant to anybody that we know of. And like Moses. You know, I don't know Moses was Jethro's servant, but that was only because he was a rebellion. Originally, the Lord had tended him, you go right now and let, your, let my people go. But of course, he took a side journey for 40 years in the wilderness with Jethro, and, and um, that was not the will of God. He was out of the will of God. Uh, and so, um, but he got back in the will of God. And so the Lord raised him up directly, right? Uh, John the Baptist, the Lord just raised him up directly. You know, Jesus rose him up. So there's plenty of people the Lord raised up directly. But that's the exception rather than the rule. Generally, the rule is if you look at the, the, the New Testament, uh, even like Paul, you know, Paul was raised up as a leader immediately, but he was raised up as a prophet teacher immediately, but was eventually promoted into the position of apostle. Philip, the evangelist originally started as a deacon working for the apostles, and then eventually he became... You know, he was just a, he was just a a, uh, a churchgoer, right? A layman, doing works and signs and wonders and miracles, and then he got promoted to a deacon, still doing uh, the work of the Lord and signs and wonders and miracles. Eventually, he became uh, the evangelist, uh, Philip Philip the evangelist. Uh, and so, uh, more often than not, people will will end up going the route of of uh, serving someone else in the church. I served my pastor for many years. Uh, Elisha served Elijah for many years, right? He didn't start out uh, as a leader. He started out as someone who was like-minded to the one he served. Uh, and so we're about out of time, but, but I want to spend just a little time and just this is a good example because it really shows the heart of Elisha as it relates to Elijah. And we can see how Elisha was like-minded. See, he was a Timothy uh, to Elijah. And Timothy was the Timothy to Paul, right? So, um, and, you know, I hope you know that. Well, he keeps you know belaboring this. The point is not belaboring this. The point is, uh, my observation that I see in the church is there's a lot of rebellion 
uh, in the church. And there's a lot of people who have selfish ambition, you know, and they, and they want, well, I want to be, you know, I want your job. Well, why don't you do your job first, and then you can have my job, right? But people a lot of times don't want to do their job. They want to do your job, you know. And I'll tell you, tell you a story. We'll go. We had, uh, uh, when I was, uh, I was a manager of a bunch of engineers at one time, and so we were interviewing different people. For, you know, we always had jobs opening, and, and we would interview a group of people. And so we interviewed this one uh, lady uh, as an engineer. And, you know, lady engineers, women engineers are, are like, almost unicorns. I mean, they're just one in a hundred, right? One in 500 engineers are women, right? And so they're kind of hard to come by. Uh, and my observation was I had several uh, women engineers working for me. I couldn't tell a bit of difference between them and the male engineer, you know, because it's really based on intelligence and women are just as intelligent as men. There's no inherent, uh, now more men were engineers than women, but you know, the women engineers that I did work with were fine, right? They were great. Uh, like I said, no difference in, in their quality work. So this person right here, uh, just terrible interview. You know, some people just aren't good at interviewing or whatever, but I, I just asked her a question one time, you know, one of the first questions is, so, you know, wh why do you want this job? You know, why do you want to work for us? Because, you know, I mean, I've always wanted to work on engines or, you know, always loved to, you know, to be engineer, the hands-on, doing this kind of work. I love project work. And, I mean, who knows what the answer is, right? I says, you know, tell me why you want this job. And so her answer was this. She just looked at me. And I'm thinking, I'm going to wait. I'm going to outlast her. So there's like 30 seconds to a minute. You know how long 30 seconds to a minute without saying anything is? You know, we didn't time it. It was 15 seconds. And it was awkward, wasn't it? It was like 30 seconds to a minute. And and she never did answer the question, so I just went on to something else. And that, the whole interview was like that. Every time I asked a question, she would just look at me, you know. And, and uh, you know, well, what do you want to do when you get here? Well, you know, I think I should have your job. That's what she said. I think I should have your job. Now, see, I was interviewing her not for a job that worked for me. I was interviewing for a job that worked for somebody who worked for me. So two levels down. And, and so she thought she should have my job, not just the job of her boss that was, she was going to have, but my job, two, jo two jobs, two levels up. Why? Well, I've been around for, you know, 25 years. Well, you don't get promoted by air, you know, by breathing air. That's not, the, that's not how long you've been breathing air? 25 years, okay, that you're promoted. That's not, that's not really how it works. It's, you know, have you done a good job? Well, that's not got anything to do with it. It's got everything to do with it. So finally, you know, I mean, it was like the worst interview ever. Not because she was a woman, just because she was a, you know, not what, what I consider a good candidate for an employee. So I went and told my boss, don't hire her. But, you know, when you, when you find, a, and she was happened to be a, a black woman too, which made her like a double unicorn. I mean, you know, a black female engineer, you know, those are just nearly impossible to find, right? White male engineer, dime a dozen, right? Black female engineer, I mean, there's probably three in America, I don't know. Uh, but, um, uh, and that's not, a, I'm not trying to be racial, it's just, you know, I would love for more black female engineers to be engineers. I think engineering is a great job, not for everybody, but, um, uh, and so had nothing to do with her color, nothing with her, with her gender. She just wasn't a good, a good fit for, for our position. And I told my boss, don't hire her. Well, of course, how, how do you not hire a black female engineer? So he hired her and it was a mistake. You know, she, she would go to, she'd be a, pro, she was a project leader. That was her job to be a project leader. And she would go into a meeting that she was supposed to run the meeting and she wouldn't do anything. She would literally just sit there in a meeting until somebody else had mercy on her, a person who worked for me, and they would start running the meeting, start taking notes, ask people questions, you know, setting up schedules and all these things. And finally I said, no, you can't do her job. She's going to do her job. She will, she will success, succeed or fail 
based on her job, not what you doing her job for her. Uh, and he didn't like that, you know, because he, he always, he couldn't, he couldn't stand, he couldn't stand that, right? And so, uh, and so, you know, eventually all the groups merged again and she, she came working for me. So she, he hired her, but not for my group. But then, then I absorbed the other group. So she ended up working for me. Well, eventually we, you know, had a layoff. Sometimes that happens with companies and they lay off a few engineers and who was first on the list? Well, she was, because she was terrible. She never did her job, never one time did her job. She always tried to get other people to do her job. And, and that's why she was let go, not because of any other reason, because she was just bad at her job. And, of course, she said, you fired me because I'm black. It's like, that, that, nothing to do with it. You're just a terrible, you know, you see all these other engineers we got? We got female engineers over there. We got other black engineers over there. We could care less. I could care less what color you were. I had a homosexual work for me. I could care less. Do your job, fine. You know, it was a secular job. Do your job, I don't care. Don't tell me what, you know, what you do in your bedroom. It's, un- it's what's that got to do with your job, right? You're, you're calculating volumes and pressures, you know? Uh, and so I, I could care less. Uh, and so I could care less what you look like, what you did. Can you do your job? That's all that mattered, because that's the job. That was my job, to make sure you did your job. And so, so it, it's, uh, you know, she, was, she wasn't interested in being like-minded with the people she worked for, she just wanted their job because uh, she thought she was owed it for whatever reason. I don't know if it was because of her gender or her color or just because she just thought she'd been around long enough to get it. It really, didn't really matter to me. Uh, but it's kind of an important thing because if you look at the scriptures, we see that God promotes people, right? He, he will promote you from one position to another position. And, you know, some uh, people say, well, it's a lie that if you work hard, you'll get promoted. You know, just get all you can. That's not a lie. It's, it's the, the law, the spiritual law called sowing and reaping. Amen? Uh, now, look, you're not required to be a doormat, right? You're not required to do unethical things. You're not required to work a thousand hours a week and be treated like a slave and just have your life sucked out. You know, you're not required to do those things. If, if those are things going on, you pray. Ask the Lord to to change it, to get you out of that, to get you a better job, you know, nothing wrong with that. I've prayed for better jobs lots of times and always gotten better jobs. Uh, and so it's not that you're required to do like the worst job ever uh, for the rest of your life before God pr- will promote you. And sometimes in a ministry, we kind of imply that. Well, you've got to, you know, unless you're cleaning the toilets for six years, you know, God will never promote you. But, you know, why the toilets? Why not the rug? Why not the lights or, you know, why is it always got to be the toilets? I don't know, you know. It means a terrible job. But, um, uh, you know, it just, sometimes we, uh, there's no rule. Any rule? There's no rule. Uh, how long? There's no, there's no length of time. It's whatever the Lord decides, right? Promotion comes from the Lord, doesn't it? So when, when you're faithful, when the Lord decides it's long enough, then that's long enough, amen? And maybe, maybe I was slow. It took me 20 years, right, to get there. And so, but it's okay, amen? I, I always felt that I was a little behind for whatever reason, uh, but that's okay. The Lord is good. Amen. So uh, Paul said, I have no man like-minded, right? Someone who is of equal soul, right? Who thinks like I think, who desires what I desire, who, who I don't have to tell them every single thing. Just go check on the Philippians, see how they're doing. No problem, Paul. I got, I got this, right? I'll do it for your benefit and, and the way that you want it done. Amen. Uh, and we'll look at, we'll go back to Second Kings next week and we'll see the example of, of Elisha. And then we'll, we'll jump over there and see um, uh, how Gehazi could have been like Elisha, but he chose not to be. Amen. And, and the whole point of that is to show the contrast of you've got two people serving somebody, both serving a prophet. 
but one of them doing it successfully, one of them doing it with failure, and why was there success in one time, why was there failure another time, and hopefully we can learn from that, and learn from, you know, because it's much better to learn from other people's mistakes than to make your own mistakes, amen? Uh, being the youngest of 11, I had the advantage that I could see 10 people make mistakes, and I could make a note, don't do that. I didn't have to do that to learn from that. I could just note, well, that didn't work out so well, so don't do that. And, 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 and I've used that uh, knowledge all my life. I'll, I'll watch people all the time, and, and they're successful. Okay, well, I can do that. They're unsuccessful. Well, why? why oh, okay, yeah, well, don't do that. And that's way easier to learn than, yeah, I come from the school of hard knocks. Well, it's because you're dumb, right? I mean, <laughs> let somebody else get the hard knocks and just don't do that, amen? Uh, and so... Hopefully we can learn from that. Amen. So let's pray and thank the Lord for his word. So Father, we thank you for the word of God. We thank you for being good to us, Father, for, for giving us examples in your word to learn from. And we thank you for your kindness and, and mercy that you extend to us each and every day. And Father, even if we haven't been perfect yesterday and done every, everything exactly the way you want us to do, we can't change yesterday, Father. All we can do is start today. And so Lord, we thank you that as we start each and every day that you'll encourage us, uh, show us exactly what you want us to do, Father. Uh, we know, Lord, that you desire to promote, to increase, and bless each and every one of us. And we thank you for these things. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, is the Lord good? Now, uh, is that a yes or no? He's well, one of the things I, I want to encourage you about, let's get ready to receive this evening's offering. Um, be careful about getting condemned in, in this message, right? Because this message is about helping and serving and um, there should never be an intent to condemn people, right? Sometimes uh, I have observed that even in ministry, we will condemn people into servitude, right? Unless you're doing this, you know, God can't promote you. Well, you need to be a servant, you know, because ultimately, who do we serve? We serve the Lord, amen? And so if you're serving somebody, you're really only doing that because you're serving the Lord, amen? Uh, and so be, be careful about uh, getting under condemnation about that because there, there should never be any condemnation. I mean, you serve as, as, uh, uh, as your heart's desire, amen, as, as the Lord shows you what to do, amen. So come ahead, Mr. Jared, receive the offering, uh, and, um, and we can get there, amen, because, uh, again, you know, uh, I, have, I have seen many times where, where the ministry will condemn people into, into servitude and the problem is the people's hearts aren't in it. They're just doing it because they don't want to make anybody mad or, you know, that's not the real reason to do that. You should, whatever, you should, whatever you do, you should be doing it because you want to serve the Lord. Amen. Uh, and, uh, and so we'll, we'll leave it at that. Amen. And so um, we'll be back here on Sunday for regular church service. And then, of course, on uh, healing school at three o'clock. So on Sunday. So you all have a wonderful week. And Chris will be back with us on, um, on Sunday. So you'll see her then. So um, be blessed and, and uh, you're dismissed.